0: And welcome to the I'm a Health Vista podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. That felt like there was a very long gap there, Amy. Did it? I'm still here. Yeah.
1: Do you think I'd like gone off for a coffee or something halfway no, through? No, no,
0: I, I can see you. It just felt like it was like pause for dramatic effect. Um, anyway, we, we've got a guest this week, haven't we? And an amazing guest who I've been very fortunate to do bits of work with before. Um, We've got the amazing Lucy Ruddle. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Amy. How are you both? Yeah, not bad.
1: good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to have you here. I have a slight fangirl issue going on because I follow you loads on social media and I'm like constantly liking your posts and everything, so...
2: Um, yeah, this is wonderful. Um, I hope it? I can look to your expectations. They always say, don't they? Don't meet somebody that you like.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. I, I wouldn't have been getting you on the podcast if I thought there'd be any chance of you uh, disappointing. Awesome. know um, you're not. I will do my best and, um, to not disappoint. And we know you're not because we've also, I mean, I, well, I've read your, your first book as well, your book on relaxation, which will be for another time. Um, but you've written the amazing yeah, um, Mixed Up. Haven't you? Oh, yes. um, which just came yes. out last month,
2: and um, it is such a good read. Oh, it is oh, it's amazing. You know, I was it's actually brilliant. I was genuinely terrified about you know in the week before the launch, thinking this is professional suicide. I've written a book about combination of feeding. This is it. I'll never work again. Oh, um, but it's been really well received, so I can sleep yeah. again at night now. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It is so It's, it's a brilliant read. read. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it just fills that gap completely. And it was a massive cavernous gap mm-hmm. in... It really was. ...knowledge and things. Um, I would actually have it as... If I was putting together a list of recommended books for health professionals to read, um, this would be yeah. right up there. Um, because I was I think actually it... just
1: about to say that. I was just yeah. about to say, literally, if I was doing a health visiting course and putting together the book list this would 100% be, like, right at the top of that list.
2: It's so important. Well, that is very kind of you, and I I will pay you later for that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we're not actually on commission, No,
0: for book. So. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, a, yeah, definitely no need for a commission and things, because it is just <laughs> so vital. I've literally got where well, I know Amy's already got hers, but I've got mine right here as well, oh. so,
2: can't see yeah, i It's popping up my computer, no. which says quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> oh, popping up my yeah. laptop. Uh,
0: you don't need to
1: refer to it, Lucy. You wrote it, so you're alright. You don't exactly. need to like, refer to it. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, I mean, do you want to say? Because you, I mean, we could, as Amy said already, fangirl tendencies. We could just fangirl you for the next hour or so. But um, I think it'd be nice to get you have a word in edgeways. So do you want to explain what the book is and what it you know what how you came to
2: write it? Yeah, of course. So yeah. It's a book, I mean, it's called Mixed Up. It's a book about mixing, um, uh, my words are not working clearly on this Friday morning. It's a book about combination feeding, so (laughs) mixing formula and breast milk, uh, which is something that most parents in the United Kingdom are doing, right? We know from the breastfeeding Mm -hmm. rates that by six weeks, most babies are combination fed or formula fed. We know that most people Mm -hmm. aren't meeting their breastfeeding goals. And when you start to dig into why that is, often what's happened is somebody has at some point suggested the baby needs a top-up and often that is the case they do need that top-up but then the support has been lacking going forward with regards to, well, how do I maintain a milk supply now my baby's having top-ups? And we often see that top-up trap, don't we? You know, where they start off with one bottle of formula and before they know it, they're exclusively formula feeding. So, so many of my clients were in this situation, you know, with very low milk supply, babies refusing the breast, um, you know, really struggling to pump. And it tended to usually be because they were missing the information they had needed in the beginning to successfully combination feed in order to get back to the breast or to, you know, just combination feed. So I was so fed up of <laughs> of trying to find information to share with these people that I could never find that I decided to just write it myself. And it started off as like a fact sheet, and then it was a booklet, and then it, it was a book. So here we are a year later Yay. with a book. <laughs> Amazing.
1: And I just love it. I love I love the... Um... The the actual title, like I don't know what you call it, like tagline, I guess, um, is Combination Feeding by Choice or Necessity, which I absolutely love. I love that you've put that on the front cover. This is a legitimate choice of how you can choose to feed your baby, and that's totally valid and welcome here, you know? Um, I think that's really wonderful.
2: 100%. Um,
0: It's brilliant. I think it it really works towards, because I think a lot of people see IBCLC and immediately start to have quite negative connotations. Everyone's always got a story about someone working in breastfeeding sport or as a lactation consultant who was refusing to let them have anything but breast milk, you know. And then I went to my baby and it was just a pile of dust. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, they would rather see that happen than give the baby formula, which is utterly nonsense. I mean, I remember yeah, back actually years back when I was sort of first going into health visiting and thinking, oh my God, I don't think I could ever be a lactation consultant because in my A&E days, I knew of how sometimes there would be an urgent case where you would need them to have a bit of formula to then Mm -hmm. get the breastfeeding back on track and things. And I was there thinking, my God, well, because I, I did this and I still stand by that today, I can't possibly get to there and so it was a real, really, it's like over time realising that there was more flexibility is probably the wrong word, but more awareness and knowledge of how these things can evolve and how sometimes formula is a necessity. You'd like almost like a medicine, like a medical intervention. Then, um, you know, to help me work out that actually I wanted to be on this journey as well yes. and things. And here you are. You know you've, I don't done, know. It. you've done it. <laughs> I have, yes. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've been. I've been quite good actually. We've done a lot of sleep sleep podcasts recently, so it's quite nice to get on back onto a bit of feeding. <laughs> yes, i
2: can imagine. Yes, but but you know you're right in that sometimes we do have to give a top up of formula or expressed milk or donor milk in order to get yeah. breastfeeding back on track, because if the baby's losing strength and they're burning calories, you know, ineffectively feeding, we have to get milk into them in a different way. and formula Mm. is a very valid choice if if that's what is wanted or if mum's struggling to remove the milk herself you know that that's exactly what formula is was was designed for it was designed to help the babies that weren't doing well on the breast alone.
1: Great and if only everybody who had formula introduced in that way so by necessity as a medical intervention Um, had the information that you share in your book about how to successfully combi feed in the long term if that's what they want to do or how to drop the top ups again to get back to exclusive breastfeeding if that's what they want to do yes Um, and if everyone had that info up front it would be so much better wouldn't it everyone You know, you would avoid a lot of this heartache and and grief
2: that we get. Yeah, and you know, the the heartache and the grief is the biggest thing for me. You know, I do a lot of breastfeeding debriefs. I do a lot of work with relactation, which by its nature comes with a whole load of grief and sadness and guilt. And Mm. so often I just think, oh, if if you'd had the information you needed, you wouldn't be in this situation feeling awful and they blame themselves and it's never the parents fault ever not really it's the society that's let them down it it makes me so cross
0: yeah no completely completely and just the the way the book's laid out where you talk through the various different um methods of combination feeding because actually that's the thing as well there's such a wide spectrum of combination Mm. feeding Um, And I love how you always sort of talk about it from the point of view of, right, if this is your chosen path, this is what you want to do, or this is what you're having to do, these are the ways to do it. And then at the end of each bit, you have the little box about the, but actually, if you find, if you found yourself here, and you want to be over there, these are things to consider, these are things, you know, these are the hiccups that might hit you and how to sort of maybe move on to a different pathway and things, which is just lovely, because it is that completely unjudgmental style, but at the same time, giving parents fully informed consent, almost, as to what they're doing. Or informed choice, that would be the word,
2: rather, than consent, wouldn't it? Don't we spend so much time going on about informed choice? We talk about it all the time in infant feeding. You know, you have to make an informed choice, But we don't often have the information for the parents to make that informed choice. And it was so important to me that if I was going to write this book, that it had to be evidence based and it had to give them all of the information, even when it was difficult to do that, so that the people reading it could make an informed choice about what they're doing as much as possible.
1: And how did you find that? Because like you say, there are some bits that um, must have been really difficult to include if you know that you're writing for a combi feeding audience, perhaps who didn't want to be combi feeding, at least some of them. Um, It must have been difficult to include some of that information. That's definitely a challenge health visitors face all the time um, of how to kind of do that. So, how did you negotiate oh that, my goodness. that?
2: I mean, I was very lucky to work, um, to have a colleague who I really respect help me with the manuscript. So, she looked over it after I wrote it and she came back to me and she said, What you've written is fantastic, but I think you need to remember that for some parents, this might be the first book they pick up about breastfeeding or the only book they pick up about breastfeeding. So, at that point, did, it lacked a lot of that stuff, a lot of that kind of, you know, um, here's some good breastfeeding support, here's what you need to look out for, here's where to get extra support. So I had to add that in afterwards. Mm. But I also, you know, was, was coming at this from, right, some people reading this book are going to be thinking about, do I want to combination feed when I have my baby? Is this a choice I want to make? And other people will be reading it because Mm -hmm. they've been told you don't have enough milk, things aren't working. And I knew that I had to make sure that both of those camps had their needs met without making anyone feel awful. So the decision we came to in the end with the editor and the publisher was that we would put anything we thought was really difficult to read in a separate box with a little warning triangle. So people could skip over it if they wanted to, because... I mean I didn't want someone to be reading quite happily and then suddenly come across a paragraph that was like by the way did you know about you know this risk or that risk it had to be clear so they could just skip it if they needed to and I think that's the best way to do it in a book it's you know it was a real headache it really was a headache to come up with.
1: (laughs) That's really no I think it's done beautifully I think it's very sensitive and it it gives the reader that power doesn't it and control to kind of know themselves and know their own triggers and and trusts them almost to make that judgment for themselves yes. which again says something important doesn't
2: it yes, empowerment <laughs> but, yeah. and trust and it's a bit like a trigger warning isn't it on a you know on a facebook post or something yeah. people put trigger warning i've put my trigger warning in a big gray box so yeah you can choose to it on that
1: so, anywhere where you've got things that are about, you know, I remember particularly there's a section on why exclusively breastfeed. Like, why would you? Yes, yes. Why would you want to exclusively breastfeed and not combi feed? Which must have been a challenging section to include in a combination of feeding <laughs> yes, book.
2: Yes. Um, and that was one of the pieces yeah. that wasn't in there originally that, that my colleague said perhaps you could put something like this in there for those that are, you know, genuinely making a decision. Um, and it must mm. have taken me a week just to write that very small bit because. I had to keep rewriting Mm. it and editing it um, but it needed to be in there because you know like my colleague had said if somebody picks up this book and they've not read anything else about infant feeding they need to know why they would want to exclusively breastfeed you know
0: yeah Mm,
1: they do I often find when I'm talking to parents like you know for example if you do the um, new birth visit or the six to eight week check and they've introduced formula and it can sometimes be quite challenging to know how to to go forward with that conversation? Because you want to sort of say, um, did you know, sort of, uh, okay. (laughs) In an ideal world, it would be great if before they'd introduced formula, someone had said to them, you know, are you aware of kind of the challenges with introducing formula and there might be some risks to doing that? And actually after they've already introduced it, Mm -hmm. is that then too late (laughs) to give that, that information? Do you know, how do you then negotiate that in an actual conversation? And maybe, Jen, maybe you've got some insight on this as well as an IBCLC too, but um, um, I find that really challenging in practice. Absolutely.
2: Jen, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think it is that thing where I know the amount of times I've come across that situation, and it's that thing of then having almost the feeling like, oh, my God, I missed a load of stuff at the new birth visit that we obviously should have talked through about this. Because the amount of times parents have introduced formula and they don't even quite know why they've introduced it. And so it's that thing of it makes you reflect on, okay, what else do we need to add in? And there is just a massive gap at the moment, I think, in antenatal and immediate postnatal education in what breastfeeding actually looks like and what is normal. Um, And I think there's often a lot of family pressure. We're in a bottle-feeding society, so a lot more of the the wider families and friends are more used to bottle feeding and so they encourage that because it's what they're familiar with and they're comfortable with and so they're not really thinking about the the fam, new family they're thinking about what makes them feel comfortable um mm. and so to try and intercept that as well and things um and so i think it is that thing of you know when they are have already introduced formula it's almost that thing of working out well what what happened around it and almost do a bit of a debrief on okay so where were you at and working out what their feelings are now and it's that thing if they're happy to be if their plan was to combination feed then I mean it's that thing there's no such thing as only in a sentence about breastfeeders you don't say to them oh but you only breastfed for this long it's like wow you have breastfed for X amount of time that is fantastic, mm. and you are still yeah. giving them breast milk. And I think it's quite interesting how it feels like quite a recent thing that the um, the idea or the, the sort of the research around the fifty mils of breast milk being a really good amount even to, if they're only having that every to day. Give some benefit to give mm. some benefit. I think when I look back, you know several years to when I had my children. There was definitely that sort of as soon as you give any formula, any benefit from the breast milk is wiped out completely, which mm. kind of knew at the time. I thought that doesn't sound right. <laughs> can't
1: be right, yeah. Know, can't be it's right. sort of
0: really okay, you know. But it was it was what was commonly being spouted. I think it probably still is being spouted. Knowing how long these yeah. things take to change, um, and so I think that's a really useful thing. And and it is that thing. I think there was a. A story, one of the stories in the book, or I think it was also something that Helen Calvert covered on the, the launch day, about that sort of actually sometimes have, knowing there is an option to give a bottle it actually can is continue enough. breastfeeding longer because it takes that pressure off. And it's that thing if you, you then have that feeling of actually if it all gets too much, I can just say, you know what, I'm off and mm. know that the that baby will be fed. Yes. Um, and sort of coming from it but it's it's that thing where there's never there'll be similarities in people's story but no two people ever come out with the same story
2: yeah I I remember um, visiting a family shortly before Covid started and it must have been it was early maybe day three day two the milk hadn't quite come in yet and the baby was a bit jaundiced and it was all just a bit much for everybody you know both the parents were were flustered and flapping and very stressed and they'd formula fed their first baby and they had formula in the house and they would just, the baby wouldn't go to the breast because mum was so tense and so stressed that every time she tried she'd be like yeah. doing this and she said oh I, I'm, I'm just going to formula feed him, this is ridiculous and she looked at me and I said okay let's get some formula, you've got some ready to go, Let, let's feed baby a little bit of formula and um, I help you pace feed and You know, perhaps we'll have a go at some hand expressing and we'll just see how things go. And I, you know, did that with them and left them to it. And she messaged me the next day and she said, we've breastfed ever since. You know, they had that one feed, that one 20 mil feed of formula and everyone relaxed and I left them. And then the next day, oh, we've been breastfeeding for 24 hours. And it's like, okay, great. (laughs) But it's about, you know. When they're in the thick of that and, you know, often as lactation consultants and health visitors, if we go in at that point, we can bring things back down. You know, we can make a cup of tea. We can hold baby for a second and just, you know, change the tone. But in situations like that, they were so up here. They were so, you know, highly strong with stress and they'd already decided they were going to give the formula and having somebody go, okay, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Here's how to do it. Let's give a little bit. Let's paste food in this way. Put baby back to the breast. I'm going to go home. And they carried on breastfeeding, you know, and that's what is often missing in breastfeeding support is the acknowledgement that we don't ruin everything if the parent is, you know, at that point, we're not going to ruin anything by, by supporting them to do what they need to do
1: yeah so actually in in that moment the best thing wasn't to offer a load of information on formula and when to do it and when not to do it and discuss all of that the best option was just to say yes I'm here I'm here to help this is you know a good way to do it you know you could talk about sterilizing and mixing feeds and things like that possibly or just you know like you say pace feeding and responsive feeding and then they feel heard and know that they're listened to and supported in their choice yes yes Um, and
2: just you know like they were so stressed they were so stressed that mm. they couldn't have heard anything other than You're holding the bottle. Fantastic. Do this a little bit with it. We're only going to give a little bit. Let baby have a cuddle. Mum go to bed or whatever it was, you know, and let me know how you're doing tomorrow. Because if I'd gone in at that point and I'd said, well, there's this brand and there's that brand and you want to give this much, but make sure you're doing that and make sure you express and blah, 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 blah. They wouldn't have heard me. You know, I'd have been out that door before you could blink. You know. Um, So it's about tailoring your support, you know, with with the aim of helping them feel supported and empowered so that breastfeeding becomes less stressful and therefore go on to do it for longer because we know that any amount of breast milk is genuinely really good for babies and mums it's good for everybody
1: and that's a real take-home message as well i just love from your book you've already touched on it jen but this idea of actually like a small amount of breast milk is really still beneficial and all of those amazing ingredients in breast milk are not negated by also giving formula at the same time. Yeah. You still yeah. get all of those amazing benefits, and um, it is right, isn't it, that actually as you give a smaller volume of breast milk, as you're giving or pumping or feeding directly a smaller volume, some of those immune properties, in particular, can increase in concentration. So,
2: yeah. So things like it's um, it's sorry. To be valued, yeah. No, I was go just go go. going to talk about lactoferrin and lysozyme, mm. which is it lysozyme. I'm not very good at pronouncing mm. some of these words, um, but they 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 become <laughs> <sounds> concentrated, right. <laughs> it's, I, think it's, I think it's lysozyme. I've said it differently there. Anyway, they concentrate. With as the breast milk decreases in quantity, these antibodies become concentrated. So they're actually providing more protection, or as much protection in, in some of them, not all of them. Um, but also, we think that giving breast milk helps to protect the gut against some of the stuff that formula is adding to it, because it coats the holes in the in the guest in the in the stomach. So, the, the formula is less likely to fall through those holes and cause problems with allergies and stuff. So you know, by combination feeding, you're kind of probably balancing balancing out at least some of the stuff that could come up from formula. And we know from studies that... Babies that have ever been breastfed have a reduced risk of sudden infant death syndrome, reduced risk of asthma, reduced risk of high cholesterol and obesity as adults. You know, ever being breastfed decreases those risks. I mean, yeah. ever, <laughs> you know, one yeah. feed yeah. once. Yeah, that's amazing. That's <laughs> Imagine amazing. what one feed yeah. every day for six months could do. If one feed could reduce that, those risks, uh, yeah. you know, that that's the approach I wanted to take. Yeah, incredible. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, obviously you can help to sustain breastfeeding by encouraging combination feeding. And when we shut that down and shut the combination feeding side down and say formula is bad and get away from the formula, um, you know, we're, we're potentially threatening all of those benefits that they could get from actually being able to sustain the breastfeeding for longer than they perhaps would have if they were just doing exclusive breastfeeding. Yes.
2: and, you know, risking grief and shame and guilt, mm-hmm. you know, and this is where I think the Fed is Best movement has really been able to get a hold on a lot of us because they really mm-hmm. feed off of this shame and guilt and grief mm-hmm. that mothers have around not, not, not meeting their breastfeeding goals. And if we were able to better support mothers where they are, we would have less guilt and shame, and less room for movements like Fed is best to come in and with their scaremongering and their fear and all of that stuff that they're, you know yeah. damage they're causing.
0: Yeah, well, we had a brush with them. Uh, I had a brush with them on Twitter a couple of years back, didn't I, Amy? After yeah. we did an episode um way back on the artificial milk scandal, you know when there was that letter from I think it was the Wolverhampton NHS Trust. And um, I'd sort of promoted it on Twitter and then had all these guys jumping, fed up the best, jumping on my phone. And the hilarious thing was it was so obvious immediately they hadn't listened to the episode because if they'd actually yeah. heard the episode, they would have heard me tell my story of combination feeding my daughter. Yes. Yes. Um, and about how actually it was like that thing, like I'd said, an issue about how sometimes formula has a place. Yes. And it was quite yeah. weird because the main sort of, Fed his best person, who'd initially started the attack, apologised. But then no one else... Yeah, you know, it was like they're, they're still getting these comments from her followers and everyone who had been yeah. just sort of following the hashtag and things. And you're just like, God's
1: sake, it's just
0: ridiculous. That's, that's the
1: problem with some of this social media stuff is it, it snowballs, doesn't it? So even if the original poster, like you say, actually realises that perhaps they've made a mistake... The, the avalanche has already begun. Yeah, and, thing, and it just can be really. I mean,
0: in the grand scheme of things, it was a tiny avalanche. It was more like a oh a yeah, snowball. sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sure Lucy gets a lot worse than this on like an
1: hourly base. <laughs> oh. My my
2: my think is very good at hitting the block button these days. Um, after my own run in, yes. I had sort of six months where I was constantly targeted by a certain member of that organisation. um And I realised, you know, because at one point I was like, "Okay, I'm going to apologise. I've clearly caused lots of offence here. I'm very sorry for that offence. And they were still coming at me. And I was like, oh, this isn't genuine. This is just, this is actually trolling. Um, You're not offended by what I've said because I've apologised for it. And most reasonable people would accept that apology. So I'm just going to block you all.
1: And it was a very very nice apology I remember the post <laughs> yes. I remember thinking Jesus like I don't remember reading anything controversial Lucy no. I not said anything that bad
2: exactly it was insane um, but I it didn't stop so I called her out I, I think she posted about me something like 32 times in about 3 weeks on her page so I called out publicly and it went very quiet very quickly and touch wood I've had no problems from her since so um,
1: yeah But this is, I mean, it's so toxic, isn't it? And you talk about in the book, I remember there's a section on um, formula versus breastfeeding and that controversy. Um, And, you know, you've already touched on that it was quite a challenging book to write professionally, that you were worried that you were going to be judged by other professionals and things like that. And I think this is the problem that we face when we're talking about combination feeding is this, controversy and feeling like you're water a tightrope all the time but it's so damaging isn't it yes
2: and yeah. the controversy is contrived by formula companies and people who have an agenda you know there. if you sit in a mother and baby group i mean back when we could sit in mother and baby groups you know and you've got yeah, know. you know 10 mums formula feeding and five months breastfeeding they will be friends, they will have lovely conversations, they will be supporting each other, and that you put them in front of a computer screen and you type in the words breast is best or fed is best and all hell breaks loose. And it's it's mm-hmm. only something I've ever seen on the internet. I've never seen this in real life, ever.
0: No.
1: So it's crazy how we all carry so much fear of it, really, in our professional lives, if it only really exists in social media and on the internet, you know? Yes. Um, I think we're all scared of, of hurting people's feelings and sometimes that can mean that we're less open and honest and maybe that guardedness is then what then feeds into the whole problem, you yes,
2: know? Yes, yes. It's when, um you know, you say things like, oh, I can't recommend a brand of formula or oh, I can't recommend that I'm not allowed to because that's coming from a place of fear yes. that comes across as we don't care. But actually, if we were less scared and we could say, oh, well, actually, you know, first step nutrition trust is here let's have a look at what it says you know oh look it actually says that all formulas are basically the same that's interesting which you know it, it opens up a conversation where before if we were scared we would have shut that conversation down with we can't talk about that mm. take the fear out of yeah. it and we mm. can't talk about it yeah
0: it and actually thing... the only people sorry jen no, i was gonna say it's that thing where you said it's so man- manufactured it's that thing of Having nothing against formula, it's the formula companies and their tactics. Yes, Yes,
2: which... And
0: when they're doing doing these presentations to themselves about how to get more money out of new parents, you're just like...
1: -hmm." And the people that win when you shut down that conversation, when you say, I'm not allowed to talk about that, I'm not allowed to recommend a particular brand, and kind of in that very defensive way the only person that wins there is the formula company because as soon as you leave the parents googling and the information they're going to find is from formula companies so and they're not in they're not good well placed to give that parent evidence-based unbiased information so it's your job as the health professional to actually meet that need they're expressing a need by asking you the the question so meeting that need um rather than running away from it
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about formula companies and their ethics, I've just posted this morning about um, a big well-known charity in the UK partnering with a formula company, you know, and there's no need for it, you know, it's absolutely yeah. no need for it. And that, you know, the only people that pay for that in the long run are the parents because the formula company will whack up the price of their formula a bit more to cover yeah. the sponsorship. You know, there's... There's no winner here apart from the formula company, really.
1: Well, of course there is, because they wouldn't be doing it. They're not like charitable organisations. Anything they do is because they're making money from it. They don't do it just, you know, for fun. No, as like, much
2: as they'd like you to believe. Even the
1: things that look like they're kind or, you know, yeah. oh, we're here to give you information or we're here to whatever, they wouldn't be doing it unless it was an improvement in their bottom line. Exactly. incredible. Because that's legitimate. what they're there for and that's legitimate, you know. I'm not against capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a thing, you know, that's fine. But um, it perhaps doesn't have a place when you're talking about mums and dads who are or parents who are vulnerable and in need of support. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's that thing as well where um I was talking to a mum the other day, a client, and uh saying about she and so she mentioned how weird it is that looking for breastfeeding advice and it's all the formula companies that come up on Google and mm. she was saying it's weird that they do that and I said, Well it's the Halo effect mm. And I explained to her that it's that thing of then subliminally, even if it's not mentioned the name of the formula company, but it's in their branding colours, it's then that thing of then if you do hit any bumps in the road or you do decide to move on to formula, it's already in your subconscious to look out for that particular branding yes. because they're the nice ones who gave you that good advice yes, about breastfeeding. They're,
2: they're, they're the people that sent me that lovely week by week pregnancy calendar and a, and a cuddly toy and some coupons if i needed them and they told me all about their club that they've got and then when i was in hospital you know and the midwife offered me the red brand or the blue brand <laughs> i was like oh well the red brand you yeah, yeah. send me some stuff so i'll have that one thank you very much and yeah before you know it you are loyal and feel positive about this company that actually are charging far too much for their products and are you don't have to dig very far to find that they are quite open about the fact that as far as they're concerned breastfeeding is not something that they want you know they they will talk about in their reports about you know the problems of more mothers breastfeeding and all that sort of stuff you know they they're not they're not on our side they're really not
1: and they're not on the baby's side exactly exactly (laughs) they're not on the baby's side they just want
2: to make money yeah
1: Yeah, it's so good breast milk is wonderful and breastfeeding is wonderful for mums babies parents of all descriptions um it's brilliant and so we've talked already about obviously kind of the benefits that we have of combi feeding in terms of extending breastfeeding and how the breast milk you're giving alongside um the formula can be protective um but I'm wondering about because in the your group you also touch on lots of reasons to formula feed or to combination feed by choice so um where you Obviously, we all know about the situation where the baby's low birth weight, they've introduced a top up. And, you know, that is an obviously really valid and important reason to be giving formula. But there might be lots of reasons where actually there's no medical indication for formula, but just the parent wants to do it. So you've talked about some of those reasons. So what would be the reasons of why people would want
2: to so often it's um either they've had a bad experience breastfeeding previously or a family member or a friend has had a bad experience breastfeeding and they would just say I'm not going there. I need to have formula. Mm-hmm. They may be mm-hmm. anxious about breastfeeding in public. It may be that they, they have a particularly um a partner who is particularly keen and insistent on helping and won't hear anything mm-hmm. about how they can help in other ways. It may be that they have to return to work early, um, or they just want to. They just want to. Um, I had a friend, yeah. or I have a friend, um, I often tell her story because it's just such a perfect example of, of what combination feeding can lead to. So she had her first baby, had an awful time breastfeeding, you know, really struggled, didn't get the support that she needed. Um, that was the end of it. She gave formula. And when she was pregnant with her second, the first thing she said to me was, I know you do the boob thing. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Don't tell me anything about the boobs. (laughs) And I said, you're the boob lady. Um, And I said, "Okay, can I tell you one thing? And then I promise I'll say nothing ever again. And she's like, oh, what is it? And I said, if you give your baby one colostrum feed after birth, you will help them pass their meconium and give them a really good shot of antibodies similar to having a vaccine. And she went, "Okay, fine, thank you. Heard nothing more about it. She asked me a bit later on what formula she should buy and I gave her the usual spiel about they're all the same. Here's some information. Baby was born and she messaged me and she said, I fed him at the breast. It was okay, so I fed him again at the breast and that was still okay. So I fed him a third time at the breast, but now I'm giving formula. And we carried on like this. She'd do a bit of boob until she'd had enough or it was too stressful for her. Then she would give formula and as the weeks mm. went on and her confidence built by the time her baby was 3 months old he was just having breast milk and that is because she mm. was supported to to do what she wanted to do which was combination yeah. feed
1: yeah yeah and ultimately you shouldn't you shouldn't need any like reason i think people feel the need to give a reason don't they but actually just i want to yeah you yeah. would accept that. i don't actually have to tell you yeah,
2: that that would yeah. be okay for anything my else in the workings of my
1: mind. Yeah, you know if you wanted yeah. to
2: run a marathon i just want to run a marathon thanks very much you know i don't know. No, yeah, <laughs> i don't shouldn't. want to have children i just don't want to have children thank you very much you know yeah. but when it comes to feeding yeah. her baby being able to say i just don't want to exclusively breastfeed is, is still frowned upon and i think that's a shame because it pushes these people away from the support they can get from the breastfeeding community, and more into you know, well, why even bother? You know, just just give formula, which is the other yeah. thing they hear yeah. a lot of.
0: Well, it does, and it Or like, sorry, yeah. I was gonna say, it feels like so few people outside of these sorts of circles even know that combination feeding is an option. The amount of people who seem yeah. to be surprised at the idea that you can yeah. mix. Breastfeeds with formula feeds so many mm. people seem to see it as quite a black and white area and it's like well yes. no. I used to joke going mean, because especially I think when I had my daughter 50 Shades of Grey had just came out come out and so <laughs> and I know having done some combination feeding with her it used to really annoy me how in the red book there was the fully breastfeeding or you know formula feeding and that it felt like yeah. there weren't enough boxes and I say about how, yeah, there's like 50 shades of combination feeding. So, you know, yes. you should have every option for combination feeding covered. Yes. I love this.
1: Yes. yes. What a great analogy.
2: I love that. Because it could be like... Very memorable. A bottle once a week. It could be a top-up mm. three times a day. It could be that once every couple of months, mum's had enough and she wants to go out. Thank you very much. Here's a bottle. It, it doesn't yeah. have to be... Yeah. Several bottles every day. There are so many shades of combination feeding. You know, there are probably yes. are fifty shades yeah. of combination feeding. Maybe that should be the next book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would help with your unwanted attention problem. If I'm <laughs> no.
2: I think I get more strange phone calls from men talking about their wives' giant nipples. <laughs> oh
0: God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so but glad I haven't had anything like that yet.
2: <laughs> I'll give it time. Yeah,
0: I think yet might be a good the word there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, so it really feeds into this whole controversy, this division, this formula versus breastfeeding, doesn't it? And like you say, the idea that like, I've given a bottle of formula so now I've made my choice, like, I've chosen to formula feed and that's the end of the matter. So therefore I'm no longer welcome in breastfeeding support groups, I can no longer talk to my infant feeding worker. And it just turns all of that kind of negativity and those horrible emotions, and to carry that round as a new mum, especially combined with probable grief and things like that that you're feeling and possibly regret for having done it or feeling guilty about having done it or whatever you're feeling and um, you can see how that that wall develops between breast versus formula yes, it, it's um, very, yeah. Yeah. so raising awareness of all the different ways of doing it all the 50 shades yes. <laughs> um i, I mean <laughs> that's got to help to break that down i a offer bit.
2: breastfeeding debriefs and so that's when you get an opportunity to talk about you know your breastfeeding journey and and how you feel about it and The amount of times, I mean, it must happen once a week, somebody will book in with me, and I I do a fair few of these, you know, and I'll get an email or a message saying, I've booked in for a debrief with you, but I need to tell you that I spent most of my time formula feeding. Can I still talk to you? And it's like... Yes, please still talk to me. I really want to talk to you because you probably feel awful, you know.
0: If anything, you're exactly the person I need to talk to. You are what
2: debriefs are for. Fantastic. Looking forward to speaking to you next week. But I feel so sorry. You know that they that there's this idea that as soon as you give formula to your baby, that we're gonna you know shut you down, shut you out, and be like, no, not part of this community. You you know, we don't want to talk to you because. The people who feel bad about giving formula are the ones that need the most support and we can often provide yeah. it.
1: And thank you for being that person who has publicly said it's good to combination feed. There's nothing wrong with it. It's valid. You are an excellent parent. Yes. There's nothing wrong with the decision you've made. Um, you know, by writing a book, you're publicly saying that and identifying yeah. that as a perfectly legitimate route. And you're giving us all as health professionals a tool to use with parents to be able to say, well, no, look, this is really legitimate. Like, there's a whole, you know, field of this. This is a really legitimate thing to do. this is a thing. And also the the skills and knowledge to be able to talk about it. Yes,
2: yeah, because they don't think it's a thing like you already touched on. You know, they think that once they give formula... That's it. But no, it's totally a thing. Mm. And the more we talk about it being a thing, the more babies will receive breast milk for longer. Everyone's a winner. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: And the balance doesn't have to be in in the favour of breast milk, if you like, either. Because I, do you know, I had never heard the term breast nurturing mm. until I read your book.
2: It's a great term. I'd never even heard of it. It's a good term. Never wow. even heard of it.
1: So could you explain what that means? Because there might be other health visitors who've never heard of Yeah, about. so
2: the idea is that being at the breast is not just the nutrition. We know that, right? We understand that on a very basic level. Yeah. But being at the breast can meet pretty much every single need a baby has. You know, comfort, pain relief, warmth, safety, connection. If a baby is happy to go to the breast when there's not much milk there and be nurtured at the breast, then we are meeting nearly all of their needs apart from nutrition. I mean, how incredible is that, Mm. that your breast can, or your chest, whatever you want to call it, can provide your baby with everything. And they might then need to go and get some nutrition from a bottle. Fantastic. But I'm touching my boobs right now. You won't be able to see on the podcast, but I am like, they're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Boobs are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I love that. It's such a good way of phrasing it, that they get everything they need from your breasts, apart from nutrition, which actually is easily elsewhere so yeah (laughs) that's
2: fine kind of thing even though they're getting antibodies from your breast even with small amounts of milk so a mouthful of milk yay there's some antibodies in that congratulations you're protecting your baby
1: it's brilliant and you can see that being a really beneficial thing for a parent who's um using mostly formula and you see people saying am I still allowed to do skin to skin and you know can I oh, still do yeah. it? Think,
0: yes
1: of course you can but um, so people sometimes do need that permission yeah. don't they think,
2: and that's well, a really great term breast yeah. nurturing yeah. I don't know why I first heard it's it a, but yeah it's a good term no
0: well it's that our thing where there's so many things that mums and dads and parents just want to do instinctively and it's so yeah. frustrating that they question their own instincts so much as yeah. if they would instinctively want to do something that would harm the baby yes. no yes if parents would just had that confidence to follow their instincts oh. and be like be uh, felt confident to be able to say this, this doesn't feel right but you know I'm doing it or you know I'm kind of I feel like I should do this is that all right and just to have us mm. be able to go yeah that's grand
2: you know yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. yeah. and that's what I love so much about the work that I do is you know I'll sit with parents and I will say to them at the start of the session, you know, whatever I tell you, it's not an instruction. I want your instincts to be in charge here. And I just, I love watching them grow in confidence. And sometimes, you know, once we've built a good relationship over maybe a few weeks and I'll make a suggestion over email, they will have the confidence to come back to me and say, no, that doesn't feel right for me. I'm really sorry. And I'm like, don't apologize. This is amazing. You're you're using your instincts now. Amazing. More of that, please. And Yeah, more instinct, more instinctive parenting is going to mean happier parents, happier babies, less guilt. Mm. Oh, my goodness me, if we could just fix that, we'd be well away, wouldn't we?
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you want to hear as a professional parent telling you, mm, I don't think I'm going to do that, actually. Yes. Thanks for that advice, but I don't think I'm going to yes. do that. Because you go, oh, brilliant. You know, you clearly see me as a person who you can say, nah, yes. thanks, I'm, I'm good. You trust me. Yeah. And and that's what you want to hear. Yeah, you trust yes. me, exactly. Yeah. You know that I'm not just going to... You don't You don't feel the need to lie to yes. me and then nod your head and then yes. continue to do something totally <laughs> and, different. Afterwards. And then
2: just not show up for your appointments or something or just not be yeah, here. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So by embracing these combi conversations we can um we can really sort of break that down, can't we? Absolutely. And and help parents to feed in a way they feel comfortable yes. with. Which is great.
0: Yeah, so I think one of the barriers that healthcare professionals sometimes find um with talking about formula, or it's a a presumed barrier I think, is the, the WHO mm. code. And I think especially if you're in a BFI friendly trust, there can be a real fear that by even talking about formula in some sort of vaguely positive way, there'll be a sudden thunderbolt and that's it, your BFI status evaporates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And you're going to be picked out by your colleagues as, you know, that really anti-breastfeeding person. And yeah. Like, everybody's going to tell you off for breaking the code.
0: Yes. Yeah, and because I suppose, we, Amy, you can probably give us more of an insight into that because obviously Lucy and I with our IBCLC stuff, we've had to... Um, yeah. Kind of, I think I've always... Well, you guys... I, I'm there thinking, oh, God, do I know the code? But I probably do
1: know it um, much yeah, better than I you realize. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, but look, you've actually got a little summary of it in your book, haven't you, Lucy? Yes. Um, and that I thought was really useful. And I've, you know, I've, I've read a fair amount about the code. I'm interested in breastfeeding from a personal perspective as well and obviously from a professional one. So I suppose I maybe do know a bit about it, but I certainly don't know as much as a, a lactation consultant would. And I think knowledge is powerful and it, it, to know more about it you feel more comfortable having conversations uh, so I, I thought it would be helpful to have maybe you know yeah. could you explain to us Lucy what it involves sure. and how what what restrictions it places and what restrictions it
2: doesn't. Yes. So the WHO code is, uh, we call it the WHO code. It's, it's the, it's got a very long title, something along the lines of the WHO code for the promotion of breast milk substitutes, I think it's called. But essentially it was yeah. written in the eighties um, to protect breastfeeding and to stop formula companies from, you know, I don't know, giving away formula and rocking up into hospitals and being like, our product's amazing, everyone should be having it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. We are we have partially signed up to the code in the UK, and what it says about formula is that you can't promote it. You can't be saying to the parents, you know, I have a bottle of this brand of formula in my bag. It's really good. You know, um, you should give this to your baby. But the WHO code also yeah. acknowledges that babies sometimes mm. need formula, and that's okay. So the conversations we can have with parents are around, you know, how to safely make formula, um, how to choose a brand which is essentially go to First Steps Nutrition Trust and compare them um, or choose one in your local shop rather than naming a particular brand. And we could talk about pacing feeds as well so that we don't need to shy away from talking about formula with parents When they have asked about it or if it's needed the other thing the who code says which is really interesting is you cannot talk about formula um kind of lots of conversations about formula cannot happen in a group but you can have them one-to-one with a parent when asked or when indicated so you want you are totally allowed to talk to parents about formula feeding as long as you're not promoting the blue brand blue brand or the red brand for example
1: okay so as long as you remain fairly neutral absolutely. about brands and you're using advice from say first steps nutrition which is a really kind of unbiased source um you can feel comfortable having a one-to-one conversation with a parent to answer their questions any questions that they have in absolutely. formula, like, absolutely just honestly answering those questions
2: yes. we have to be honest um, with parents in order to give them the best support so as long as you're not saying i love this brand you know or
1: yeah trying to keep your personal
2: experience i rather. use Dex or you know <laughs> they have a great advertising campaign yeah. or they're the best you know none of that but you know these no, are the formulas yeah. available in the uk they're all very much similar here's how to make it here's how to feed it totally okay yeah totally okay
1: and what about in an antenatal group then? Because you said like you know discussing it in groups is more challenging.
2: Yeah, so I always get, I'm always very cautious with this because I haven't I haven't checked recently to clarify exactly okay. where I stand on it. But when I was doing... Sorry, I'm throwing no, you're good. ridiculously specific So um, if, if this is wrong, don't shoot me. But my understanding of the code <laughs> is if you want to be talking about formula in any kind of detail, so if you want to be getting into the brands that are available, how to make it, how to feed it, that should be done one-to-one with the parents who need it, not as part of a wider group of, you know, breastfeeding antenatal class. So what I would say to parents in my face-to-face class is... If you're thinking of combination feeding and you have any questions about formula, stay behind and I'll chat to you at the end. Um, I don't make a big deal out of yeah. it, I tend to say, because we don't have time to get into that now. Um, but essentially, I'm mm-hmm. cu- I'm trying to make sure I'm covered under the WHO code, which does say somewhere that you shouldn't be talking about formula to groups of parents.
1: OK, so that's really interesting from a health visiting perspective, isn't it? Um Jen? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking in a lot of trusts, Um, I don't know, you probably don't know any of the this around health visiting Lucy but we have a antenatal contact that we are commissioned to provide um to all parents and in a lot of trusts I know they have met that they've they've ticked that box if you like by introducing an antenatal group Mm. yeah um, that they invite parents to and so they they don't actually do an antenatal one-to-one home visit or even a clinic visit as a one-to-one they a lot of places do meet that you know they say they've done an antenatal contact because they've invited the parent to an antenatal group yes. whether the parents even attended or not yes. um and so that really does restrict us um actually in, t- in that yeah.
0: context doesn't it and so that's really I know as know. part I know in the trust that I worked in um we were doing these universal group contacts and part of the infant feeding thing would be to talk about paste feeding to them all. Well, paste no, feeding that's
2: is okay. Paste feeding is totally okay so. because you could do that with breast milk and it's responsive feeding. What we need to be careful of is, you know, brands of formula and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, no, be me yeah, no mention okay. that. It would be talking about the
2: paste
1: feeding. Yeah, no, I think certainly if I was to be planning an antenatal group, the things that would be on my list would be paste and responsive feeding, maybe how to prepare a feed and sterilisers, yeah. you know, those types of things, which... Uh, like you say maybe slightly controversial yeah. wouldn't be saying oh yeah. this brand is great or that brand is great yeah. yeah
0: I think I think the making up the formula would need to be the one-to-one bit
2: <laughs> yes, I, that's my yeah. understanding but as I say double check yeah. it because I've not run a face-to-face for 18 months now and of course when I was doing no. them because they were private people were coming to me because all they wanted to do was breastfeed so I've I've never had to deal yeah. with many of those questions so Please double check that in case I'm wrong. And if anyone listening knows any differently, tell us, because that would be awesome to know the the exact ins and outs of that.
0: Yeah. It's a tricky one, because often, yeah, because often even if you're demonstrating paste feeding, you then have a doll and a bottle, and those are maybe the visuals that are kept. Yes. Yes. So it's mm. making sure you have the knitted boobs and your doll. So
2: yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. use a pen as the bottle. I've used all sorts of things <laughs> as bottles <laughs> when, when they need to have a
1: rhythm, yes. <laughs> it's just better being mindful of this stuff, isn't it? And taking it seriously, I suppose, and being aware that, that formula companies can be quite insidious in their approach and without us really realising we can be promoting them. So yes. that's yeah. why the code exists, is to protect us from that, to, to not allow us to, to kind of accidentally promote That's formula it.
2: i remember when i worked at the children's center a few years ago um tommy tippy donated loads of sippy cups um which everyone was very excited about and I was like no no you don't understand it's (laughs) in the back so I ended up hiding them under my desk and not letting anybody have them but nobody really understood why I was so cross about it because well they're sippy cups and Mm. they're for our families and our families are vulnerable that's really kind and I'm like but they have branding all over them um it's things like that isn't it we have to be careful of
0: yeah yeah for sure okay well thank you that's really helpful um, no. so, was there anything
1: um, else that you were thinking, Jen?
0: Well, I was going to wonder about if, um, sort of having done all this, I'm guessing you're probably <laughs> keen to rest and things, but I wondered if there was anything coming up next for you or anything that might be of interest to our uh,
2: audience yes. that you're doing. Um, so I am writing another book for my sins. Um, signed the contract for Are you <laughs> signed the contract for that before the last one was released. Um <laughs> Oh my goodness
1: Lucy, you're a glitter for punishment, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> and I'm
2: regretting it as well because I can't get my head in the game at the moment. I'm like, Oh yes, fine it'll write itself. Um so this next one's gonna be about breastfeeding myths. So the myths that we hear about, you know, don't drink Coke yes. and, you know, don't eat strawberries oh. and i don't know it's it's weird once your baby's a year old so it's fun to write but it's slow going because there are so many myths to cover um
1: yeah (laughs) i love your bingo your bingo card that came up on your social media the breastfeeding bulls yes
2: yes Um, i was literally
1: like i've ticked every Uh single one
2: of those so it's like breastfeeding bingo in a book i guess um so that that's going to be fun and in the meantime um what am i doing i've just got some courses coming up that I'm running so I'm preparing to enter private practice courses um, lots of these podcasts podcasts seem to be the thing this year I've been invited to do loads so yeah. I'll be speaking it's with it's
0: the whole Zoom lockdown thing I think it is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so easy to listen
2: to so I'm doing Marie Bianco. yeah. I her surname, Biancozo, Marie Biancozo oh, Who just born to be breastfed international I'm really nervous about that because she's like you know the god of breastfeeding podcasts so I'm see, <laughs> I mean,
1: you can hold yeah.
2: your right own there <laughs> uh, uh, I hope so i hope so but very excited to do that one as well so uh i'm gonna be all over the podcast circuit by the looks of things excellent
0: and everybody's (laughs) gonna know your voice yes and where can where can our um our listeners find you on social media so the best
2: place to find me is lucy ruddle ibclc on facebook or lucy.ruddle.ibclc on instagram Um, but facebook is where i'm most active it's where i feel most comfortable
1: yeah it's lovely brilliant. and it's a brilliant page i would if you're a health visitor who uses facebook you need to immediately add lucy to your followed pages because you will learn heaps just from following her you. so yeah. you can definitely do that um yeah
0: and yeah I know. it's, it's such a pleasure having you on the podcast it's been lucy. lovely
2: chatting to you both today thank you so much oh so no.
0: lovely thanks a lot um, lucy really appreciate it you're welcome. so um to about socials and things if you want to contact us we're on instagram at i am a hv we're on facebook i am a health visitor and um, strangely opposite to lucy we're probably more active on instagram than we are on facebook Or if you're old-styly, you're welcome to email us. Um, I am a health visitor, all one word, at gmail.com. Take care in the meantime, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye.